This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. This week, we will take reconciliation a little further, and we're going to offer godly counsel and practical steps based on the Word of God of how to reconcile, how to rebuild trust, how to build intimacy and closeness, and how to maintain those things. So this week, we will be addressing the following questions. How do you break through the humdrum? And again, I want to remind you that these are questions that members or visitors or whomever was listening to that series, these are questions that they brought forth, nothing that we've made up. How do you break through the humdrum to reignite the spark in marriage? How do you address the lack of closeness and compassion towards one another? How do you put in the unseen, and I'm going to say add the seen work, to fix yourself individually while working on the marriage relationship? So those are the the three questions that we're going to answer today. And we're going to turn it over to Minister Everhart. Amen. Thank you so much for the reminder of that definition of marriage. And also um, just just pointing out that that marriage, it's a a union of imperfect people. And so as, as we talk about working on the marriage and addressing this particular question, we want to make sure that, that we avoid unrealistic expectations because when we, when we expect something and we don't get it, that's one of the key uh, drivers for frustration. You put in effort, you put in effort, and you were expecting a result from the effort that you put in, but you're not seeing that result. And so that's what drives, that's what drives um, uh, frustrations. So one of the things to keep in mind is, you know, your marriage is a reflection of Christ and his church. And so, you know, we, we don't want to become frustrated in our marriage because we don't want Christ to be frustrated with his church. We don't want the church to be frustrated with Christ. And also, your marriage is a reflection of your walk with Christ. And so, yes, while your marriage it does involve two people that, 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 that have free moral agency and they may behave and they may act in different ways, but your marriage specifically for you is a reflection of your walk with Christ. And just as an anchor scripture in terms of you know making sure that we set realistic expectations and that we don't let ourselves get drawn away, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is, is, is addressing you know, how we run this Christian race. How we run this Christian race. Because it's so critical. And in verse 26 it says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beat up the air. He's saying that I, I'm, not, I'm not running just for the sake of running, but I'm running with a, with a hope, with an expectation in mind. But he says that, you know, the way that I run is critically important. In verse 27 it says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway. He's saying that the way that I run this race because I have a hope, I have an expectation for the end result is that I run it with temperance. I run it with self 
control. I want to make sure that, that, that I don't allow myself to get to the point where I'm willing to take shortcuts, where I'm, where I'm willing to try to take, uh, to bring other things, to try to fix something that, that only God is able to fix, that, to try and change something that only God is able to change. He says that I, I run in such a way so that, that, that I uh, don't, don't allow myself to be disqualified. We, can't be, uh, we cannot become weary in well-doing. We cannot become frustrated in our service to God. Because just, just remember that, that everything, the, the greatest thing, the greatest hope that you could ever hope for, you already have. The greatest hope that you could hope for, you already have. The greatest love that you could ever, ever imagine, you already have. And so when, you, when you're a little weary, when you're a little tired, just keep that in mind that, that the, 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 the highest and, and utmost that you could ever hope for, that, you all, that you, it's already in your possession. You don't, and you don't have to be worried about, about losing it. Because he's, he's not going to leave you or forsake you. He will be with you always. And that's Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pick up where uh, Minister Everhart left off at in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because, again, I, I like this about a race. And you need to think about marriage as a race, right? So anything, uh, turn to verse 24 in that same passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it up a little bit further up. It says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. But one receiveth the prize, so run, that ye may obtain. And, and I, love that. I love that passage of Scripture because when it talks about marriage and we're talking about this question, it is a race, right? And it's a race you have together in marriage as husband and wife. And your race is to the end, right? And the end is, is talking about the covenant. You know, you are in this marriage for a lifetime commitment. So you've got to run. And I like, this, I like he said, so run. That means run means you've got to put in the work, right? And running means that you've got to have a certain pace, Right? You got to keep that pace, be consistent, and run the race that you signed up for, right? That you committed yourself to when it comes to marriage. And so when I look at this question here, and Minister Stinson read it, um, it's really a very good question because I, I mean I, I like the realness of this question that we're dealing with. Again, how to how to break through the the humdrum, right? To reignite the spark of marriage, right? To address the the lack of closeness and compassion towards one another. You know, marriage is real. It really is. It's a real commitment. Um, again, you, real, you realize real quick that marriage is, it wasn't the wedding. It, marriage is not the honeymoon. It, marriage is the lifetime commitment, that continued walk. Um, so we're going to deal with this, this question about how to break through. I like that, the breakthrough, the ho, ho, uh, humdrum, to reignite the spark. So when I, when I hear this question, immediately I thought about Intimacy. And this question is really dealing with how do you build intimacy in your marriage? So first of all, when we look at intimacy, what is intimacy? Intimacy is sharing or expressing in words what is in your heart that is private and personal. It is exposing your heart. I mean, that's what intimacy is, right? You are sharing, you are expressing in words. You know, it's verbal cues, it's things that you're saying about things that are in your heart that are private and personal. That's being intimate. And, 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 and intimacy is not sex. 
So make sure, again, marriage, understand that, that I, I know a lot of people, when they talk about intimacy and they talk about marriage, they immediately go to sex. This is not sex. Remember, we're talking about sharing and expressing your words that are personal and private from your heart. And what's in your heart? Your heart has your hurts, your pains, your desires, your issues, right? your, your struggles, your thoughts, and your feelings. And so in marriage, you need to express that to your spouse, to your wife, the, the one that you're in covenant with, the one that you gave witness before God and individuals that you're going to be with them for the rest of your life. So share with them. Express your heart, the struggles and, and the pains that, that, that you're dealing with. Right? This is how you build intimacy. And it's developed over a period of time. So that means that in marriage, you need to expose your heart to your spouse. And that's going to make you and your spouse grow closer in your relationship. So now I know that in this question they say, well, you know, that sounds great, that sounds good, but what are the practical applications of building intimacy? You know, how do we do this, right? And so here's a good example of how you can do this and put these things into action. Schedule date nights. That's right, I said it. Date nights. You know, like you was when y'all was courting and dating, whatever you call it. You know, you schedule time, you, you get together. Husband and wife schedule date nights with one another. And that date night is just between you and your spouse. That means the husband and the wife. That means no children allowed. Right? No grandbabies allowed. Right? No children allowed. It's you and your spouse. And, and when you go out to the, uh, uh, when you do this date night, you want to put away your cell phones too. Again, I know you're going to have your cell phones with you, but put it away. It's all about the other person and spending time with one another. And here's the attitude you need to have when it comes to date night. Because you want to make sure you set the right attitude, set the right focus. It is about the other person. It is not about you. Again, that is marriage. And, and we're going to uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to back this up with a passage of scripture about marriage and how it's not about you. It's about the other person. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, because you want to make sure you have the right focus when you schedule these date nights, right? The right mentality going in. We don't want the date night to be frustrating, right? Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting at verse 32. It says, But I would, you, I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried, notice the he that is unmarried, care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married. So he that is married is called the husband. So that means the husband cared for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. So that means husbands. The attitude you need to have for this date night is how you're going to please your wife. That's your attitude. And then verse 34. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman care for the things of the Lord. How she may be holy in body and in spirit. But she that is married, that's the wife, care for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So now here we are, we have the husband who's going to be uh, uh, cared about how he's going to please his wife. And now the wife has the same responsibility to how she's going to please her husband. And so you're going to go into the date night with this attitude, right? How you're going to please each other, right? So that's the attitude you then have, okay? So now, on the date night, let's get the details. You know, where to go, what to wear, and what to talk about. 
Alright, here's the details about the date night. First, where should you go? And I'm going to tell you right now, don't argue about where you're going. That, that's going to start the frustration already. Alright? Go out to dinner. It's a dinner night. Pick a place where you can look at each other and talk. You know, look into their eyes. Look at their face. Right? Don't have your head down. Have your head up. That's why you got to put your phones away. Turn your notifications off. Anyway, look at each other and talk. And for the first date night, just to help you out to get everything settled, let the husband choose the place. Right? Husband, you're going to be preeminent in all things. You're going to, you choose the place for the first date night. And then the next date night, your wife chooses the place. Right? And again, you go, you'll continue that, that rotation or however you may want to do it. But the first date night, let the husband choose the location, the place. All right? And then now we get to what to wear. Again, I'm, I like to give these details because these are the, the small foxes that spoil the vine. Right? What are you going to put on? This could be a frustrating thing altogether. Right? About what you're going to wear after you pick the location. So what should you wear? So wives, I'll start with you. Right? Wives, wear something that your husband likes to see you in. Again, going back to this passage we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. How the wife is going to have the, have the cares to how she's going to please her husband. So you on purpose is going to wear something that your wife, I mean that your husband likes to see you in. Why? What he likes to see you in. And, and, and let me say this too. Wives, put on some perfume. Right? That he likes. Right? Again, stuff is all catered towards him. That's the date night. Wear your hair, wise. Like he likes it. You know, I can I, I pause in these things because, you know, they, they could, I'm saying these can be frustration already. That's why you come into it already knowing, I'm going to do this for him. On purpose. Why? Because this is a man I'm in covenant with for the rest of my life. Alright, so I'm going to wear what he likes. I'm going to put on some perfume that he likes. I'm going to wear my hair like he likes. I'm going to put some makeup on, ladies. Right? Put the makeup on. I know you look beautiful already, but put a little, little something on. Just a little something on, right? Polish your nails. Again, I, I hate to get these little details because I, I want you to understand it's a special evening. It's a special night. So do these things on purpose. And he'll know, like, oh, she's doing this for me. This is my wife. Special evening. Right, so that, that helps you wise about what you should wear. Right? Husbands, now your turn. What should you wear? Guess what? The same thing. Wear something that she likes to see you in. Right? You know, she might like to see you in suits. Put on that suit. You ain't wearing it anyway. Yeah, we're not coming back in, in church yet until January 2nd. So put on your suit. Right? Wear the, put on the suit. Right? Whatever she likes. Brothers, take a bath. I hate to even say it, but brothers understand that. Bathe. Shave. Get a haircut. Put on cologne that she likes. Again, it's all about her. Instead of saying, oh, that's just my wife, you know that. No. Put on the cologne she likes. Bathe. Shave. You know, do these things. Get a haircut. Groom yourself. Right? And then on the date, be a gentleman. Open the door for your wife. When you get to the restaurant, pull out the seat, you know, before she sits down. Let her sit down first before you sit down, right? It's a special evening. Be a gentleman, all right? These are things, because your attitude is how I'm going to please my wife. So, again, you're going in both in the same mentality, right? What you're going to wear, what, where you're going, it's all about her, uh, for, for you, husbands. And for the wife, it's all about him. And then we get to the meat, right? What are you going to talk about? 
right? Communication. Again, this is how you're going to build intimacy in your marriage. What are you going to talk about? First and foremost, you're going to compliment one another. You know what a compliment is, right? You're going to say things to them that you like about them. Tell them things that you like. Do not tell them things that they're not doing. You know, we can all criticize, and we talked about criticism already part of this teaching and these questions and answers, right? Tell them things that you like, that they're doing well. Encourage them. Encourage them in what? In what? In their walk with the Lord. Remember, you are in marriage together. Marriage is a commitment before God, right? God said you're going to give a witness and testimony about your marriage, right? About your walk you have with one another. So encourage one another in their walk with the Lord. Strengthen them. So you're going to compliment your wife and husbands. Wives, you're going to compliment your husbands. And, and, and here's an area. Compliment them on their physical features. Right? What physical features? Right? Such as their eyes, their face, their lips, their feet, their hands. You know, their certain body parts. Compliment them. Well, I'm not sure what to say. Well, I'm glad you said that. Turn to Song, Song of Solomon. Just to help you out, because, again, I know some of y'all feel like you've been out the game for a while. You've got your little wrap down. So we're gonna, the, the Word of God is all here for you. It's going to help you to how to talk to your, your, your wife or talk to your husband. So the Song of, Song of Solomon, let me slow down. Song of Solomon, chapter 4. Again, this will give you some words to say to your spouse. All right? So first of all, we're going to deal with the husband. Husband, this is how you're going to compliment her. And her physical features. Song of Solomon chapter 4. Starting at verse number 1. It says, Behold, thou art fair. You know what the fair means? Beautiful. And I'm going to tell you, your wife is beautiful. She's beautiful on the inside. No, she's beautiful on the outside as well. You married her. That's your wife. She's dressed up for you that day. Tell her how, how beautiful she is. Because she is beautiful to you. That's your wife. So again, he says, thou art fair, beautiful, my love. Behold, thou art fair. He said it twice. Thou hast dove's eyes. See, compliments about her eyes. Within thy locks, thy hair is a flock of goats. And compliments about her hair that appear from the Mount Gilead. Thy teeth, here we go, thy teeth. You compliment her, her teeth, right? Are like a flock of sheep that are even shorn. Which came up from the washing whereof even one bear twins. And none is barren among them. Verse 3. Thy lips are like a thread of charlotte. And thy speech is comely. That means she speaks lovely. Thy temples are like a piece of pomegranate within thy locks. You know again women. Sugar and spice and everything nice. I mean you're going to compliment your wife about her looks. About her physical features. Right? Her lips. Her teeth. How beautiful she is. Verse 4, thy neck is like the Tower of David, build it from an armory, whereon there hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. You might say, I don't even understand what they're talking about. You know how to compliment your wife. This is giving you some examples. Right? You put this in your lingo. You know, how you talk. But make sure you compliment her about her physical features. That's the whole purpose of this. And then verse 5, it gets into personal, right? Thy two breasts are like two young rows. That are twins which feed among the lilies. Again, you're complimenting her physical features about her body. You're letting her know that you are attracted to her. In words, you're telling her that is your wife. That is how you're building intimacy. This goes on during the date night. This is what you need to be talking about over the dinner table. 
right? And so now for you ladies, I know you ladies, you don't have a problem with sharing, but we're going to help you out too as well. Turn with me to Song of Solomon chapter 5. Look at this in verse 11. Right? Verse 11, chapter 5. So you ladies, how you would say things to your husband at, during this date night. It says, His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are, are bushy and black as a raven. I'm telling you, it's nothing like a, uh, your wife rubbing your head. Yeah, I understand. Y'all don't know. Be quiet. I'm getting personal now. Right? Uh, it's nothing like it. Nothing like a warm... I mean, anyway. Nothing like your wife's touch. And she's speaking of it. And she's, I mean, it's nothing like women. Understand that wives say things about his head. Right? If you got no hair, if you got a bald head, whatever, it's your, it's your man. That's your husband. Enjoy it. But compliment him about these things. He says his cheeks, here we go, are as a bed of spices. I'm sorry, I skipped the verse. Where am I at? Thank you, 12. Thank you. Um, verse 12. His eyes are as the eyes of doves. By the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. Again, you compliment him in his eyes. His cheeks now are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips are like lilies, dropping sweet smelling mirth. I mean, you tell this brother he's looking good, right? His hands are as gold rings set with a burl. His belly, here we go, is as a bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. You know, it's sitting up by six-pack, but it says, hey, I'm attracted to your belly. Whatever belly you got is my belly. It's my body. We are in this together. Let them know that. I love this. Again, wives, compliment your husband. Don't tell him what he don't have. Tell him what he do have, baby. I, I, I enjoy you. Verse 15. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. Here, verse 16. You don't get nothing else about this conversation. Read verse 16. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. Brother, you have put together altogether lovely. You're altogether lovely to me. This is my beloved. And this is my friend. O daughters of Jerusalem. Your husband is your friend. He is your beloved. He is the one you are in covenant with. Again, this is how you build intimacy in your marriage. Speak about these things pertaining to his physical features. Alright? So again, we go back. You're going to pick a location. The husband is going to pick a location. Where to go? You're going to go out on your date night. The, what you're going to wear. Everything pertaining to the other person. The wife's going to wear what the husband likes. The husband is going to wear what the wife likes. Again, what you talk about, we just said. You can communicate and compliment one another during this time you're, you're on your date night. And then what you're not going to talk about. We need to be very specific. Right? On date night, you are not talking about the children. Right? Grown or little. Right? Don't, talk, don't spend time talking about the children. You spend all the time already talking about the children. This is about you, each other. So no talk about the children. Right? What else are you not going to talk about? The bills. The bills are waiting for you when you, get to, when you leave the restaurant. They're always there. Do not discuss the bills. Do not discuss the children. Because that's going to lead to another level of frustration. And it's going to mess up your whole date night. Right? So no children talk. No bills talk. Don't talk about work. Right? Work is work. Right? No one wants to hear about how great you're doing on your job or how bad you're doing your job. Again, leave these conversations out. It's not about work. It's not about school. It's not about bills. It's not about your children. It's about one another. Spending fellowship with one another. 
And I'll just say this on, on my last note before I close here, on my little portion. You know, this is what me and my wife do today. Right? In other words, I've been married going on 32 years in January. And me and my wife still have our date nights. And we on purpose do these things that I'm just saying here. Right? And it's kept us, because marriage is work. And you, you continue to compliment one another. We continue to laugh one another. You start saying things. I'll say something to her and she'll start laughing. Right? And, I, and again, she'll say something to me and it just, but it's more laughter. It's more freedom. And then we'll continue to build intimacy for the rest of our days. So this is work that you need to continue to do. Amen? Amen. And I, I can appreciate that, Minister Hastings, because, you know, building intimacy is a crucial thing. And I, I, like I said, I can appreciate that he said that, you know, he and his wife have continued to do this, and they've been married for 32 years. So I want to address, you know, something here where, you know, people can start doing and, and building intimacy, but what can they do to maintain it? How can we keep this intimacy going in our in our marriage? And the, the the first thing that I want to say is, if you want to maintain and remain intimate with your spouse, is you have to be consistent. Consistency builds intimacy. That means that it is not a one-time process. It's not a one a one-time deal. Consistency is applying yourself to something until you conform to it permanently. Okay, so you have to you have to be consistent in it. That, that's why we have to remember it's it's God's institution, though, because we have to conform to His ways towards towards marriage. So so a scripture that came to mind was Romans chapter twelve, verse two. It says, "And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." To be transformed, you have to renew your mind consistently, and to be transformed to what God has for you in your marriage comfort, uh, in the marriage covenant. You have to be under his word and, and renewing your mind on a continual basis. Again, like I said, that means it's not a one-time deal. You have to trust the process of the Holy Spirit working in you and throughout your marriage so that you guys can be intimate. For Listen, this is your covenant, a lifelong commitment for life. You have to build your intimacy for life. And, you know, I, I know on, the, on the, uh, the previous service that they talked about being accountable as well, because I believe in the question they mentioned, you know, if, if somebody had stepped outside of the covenant of marriage. And, you know, it's kind of hard to trust them at that point or what they were alluding to. And I, I want you to understand one thing about your accountability. You know, when you're trying to maintain your intimacy, accountability is not a check-in. It's not, okay, well, you know, they caught me this way or caught me that way, so now they have my phone, or now I have to tell them where I am. I'm checking in with them. You know, I, this is, because I'm going to tell you right now, accountability should be built into your intimacy. But if that's how you're being accountable, that's not being intimate at all. It seems like you're just trying to cover your tracks. You know what I mean? You can't say, okay, well, well, I've, I've been accountable to them for, for weeks. You know, I've, I've done this for a while. Now I can stop doing that. They should be able to. No, it's, this, if you're being accountable, you're trying to build that intimacy on a day-to-day basis. And, and since accountability is built into intimacy, that means I want to continue doing what I'm doing. You know why? Because I want to be accountable to you. I'm considering you in all my things before I go. Just like, you know, the marriage is supposed to represent Christ in the church. You should consider Christ before everything you do. You have to consider your spouse. You have to, like, like Minister Hasten read, it's, you have to, it's about the cares of your husband. It's about the cares of your wife. You have to consider them in everything you do. So, in those times of accountability, instead of thinking of them as a checklist, use those times as times for intimacy. Be intentional with those times. For example, I, I, I've, I've told you guys before, me and my wife, we eat lunch every day, and I make it a point to. And it's not, in my mind, it's not because I'm trying to be accountable to her, although... Because we use those times to build our intimacy and share those times, 
I am being accountable to her. And that's being intentional. And again, because it's something that we're consistent in, it's not something we're thinking of as like, well, it's something that we check in every day. I've got to go eat lunch with her and see what she's doing and make sure that she's doing this and that and that. No. Those are our times where we, sometimes we laugh, sometimes we, sometimes there's some serious conversations going on. Sometimes, we're, like Minister Nathan said, we're complimenting each other, we're just enjoying each other's presence. But that's us building intimacy on purpose. You know, that's us being accountable. Instead of, well, you, you, you see my phone, well, guess what, you can hide behind it. A phone can say you're in one place or you're doing one thing and you could be somewhere else. That's not being accountable. It's really not being accountable. You want, let, let your wife or your husband or, uh, lay eyes on you. Let them put hands on you. Spend the time. Put in the work. You said you're committed to it. You're going to have to walk that walk in marriage. Put in the work. And then one thing you have to remember as well is always keep your eye on yourself. Examine yourself. It's real easy, especially if you feel somebody has stepped outside the covenant on you. It's real easy, easy to scrutinize every little thing they do. Every little thing they do, you can say, well, you've done this, you've done that. And then if they step out, even if they don't do what they've done before, if they step out one little thing, you say, you know what, well, I'm going to do this, this, and that because you've been scrutinizing them so closely that you forgot to look at yourself. Make sure that you're always examining yourself because that's, an, a, part, that's a part of being accountable to your, your part of the marriage as well. Examine, your, examine yourself. Check your heart. Remember, you said that you want to be reconciled. You said that you, if you said that you want to be reconciled to them, that means that you wanted forgiveness, that you forgave them. And so one thing you have to remember if you want to maintain this intimacy is that you have to maintain your, especially if you felt somebody stepped out on you, is you have to maintain that attitude of forgiveness. You know, and forgiveness is long-suffering, kindness, meekness, humility. Let me read something to you real quick. If you can turn to Colossians chapter 3. And these are some things that you have to remember, especially if you want to maintain that intimacy. I'm going to read chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. And it says, put on, therefore. That, you know, put on means I have to, I have to pick it. Even when, I don't, when, I am, when I'm looking at them, I'm like, they've fallen short. That means I have to put it on. I have to intentionally pick it up and put on, therefore, as the elect of God and those inside of God's covenant of marriage, holy and beloved bowels of mercy. You have to be merciful. Kindness. Humbleness. You've got to bring yourself down. You know what I mean? Kindness means if I said I forgive you, I'm not going to hold it against you. Okay? I've, if I said I was going to forgive you, I'm not going to bring it up a few months later and say, but remember this? You remember that? No, no, no. It says to be kind. For holy, beloved, bowels of mercy. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. Long-suffering is, that's the patient restraint of your anger. Because let me tell you, especially if, like I said, if you're examining somebody and you're like, they stepped out on me before, you're already mad. You already have a feeling in your heart of anger. But you said, I want to be reconciled. You said, I've forgiven them. So you have to put on these things if you want to maintain that intimacy. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't put on these things to help you maintain that intimacy, those, those thoughts of, of you starting to imagine, what did this person do? Those are going to take over. Then your anger is going to take over. And then next thing you know, there's no intimacy. And you're wondering, how do I reignite? You know, how do I get back to where things used to be when we've been at this place for so long? But you've got to be consistent in these things. That means, that means I'm, I'm going to have to patiently wait for someone to make the progress. Not, don't put your expectations on them, like Minister Eberhardt was saying. God has, wait and let God have, let, let, let patience have her perfect work. 
Let them make progresses. Let them make the changes or hear what you're trying to communicate with them, and then you'll see the changes. But that takes the consistency. That will build the intimacy and the accountability. Another thing is you need to pray. If you want to build your intimacy and maintain that intimacy, pray. And when I say pray, I mean together. And I know I've said this before, but, you know, the, it, it never ceases to amaze me when I speak to, especially young folks in marriage, they say, oh, we haven't prayed together either ever, or even older folks in marriage, we haven't prayed together in a long time. But this is, you know, this is y'all's relationship under God. This is something that you should share. I promise you, if you pray together, if you, if you confess your faults to, to one another and then confess them to God together and pray for them together, this will build. Them. Because again, what, what is intimacy? You're exposing your heart. That's why you need to be intimate with God together because you are one now. Expose your heart as a family couple together to God because he knows. Expose it to each other and to God. Pray about it. Together. I'm not saying you don't have your own prayer time, but this is essential in marriage. You need to pray with your spouse. That will build the, hold their hand and listen and be serious. Don't play, don't, especially if you've never done it before. It's not, it's not a joke. Be serious. Pray with your spouse. That'll help you stay on one accord. That'll help remind you when you start, your mind starts to wonder, yes, but I, I, I said I want to be reconciled and I've forgiven them. I've put on long suffering. I have, listen, I've put on, I put on hum- I've humbled myself. Because don't get it twisted. You, listen, it could be you on the other foot. And then the last thing, well, not the last thing, another thing as well is, and Minister Hasten was saying this, was uh, not being able to share your feelings with each other. That's one of the things I'm telling you, that's one of the largest hindrances in couples' ability to maintain their intimacy. Is they can't share their, their feelings to one another. Uh, and, and let me tell you something. Emotions and feelings are important. They really are. So, so what you're going to have to do is you can't come and when you feel a certain way, you can't hide that or withdraw that into yourself. You're going to have to be able to share them. And if you haven't done it before, we're going to talk what well, Minister Hayson gave a, a perfect example of how you can. He said date night, but use those nights as an opportunity to share the way you feel. In a good way. Let them know how you feel about them. Let, well, praise them. Nurture them. Be, especially you husbands, you, you know, for, for your spouse, for your wife, you're the primary voice in her life. For you to be quiet is a cruel thing. For you not to say nothing to your wife, for you to hold back the things that she deserves, you know, being lovely to her like Minister Hayson was just saying, that's a cruel thing. When you are the primary voice in her life. And as, listen, as the spiritual leader in the home, you're, you're supposed to be her primary connection with God. Leading her that way. And then also, on the other foot, you have to learn how to receive praise. And receive the nurture. Both of those things, giving it and receiving it, takes skills. But skills come with what? Practice. Being consistent in it. It may seem strange for you at first that you haven't done it before, but, but get consistent. Until, it, until you transform and uh, you transform and change into that thing permanently. Yeah. 
So I, 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 I love how Minister Hayes said, you know, say these things about one another. That's another exercise that you should do. Not just on date nights. On a continual basis. Think of, individually, think of things that you love about them. You appreciate about them. You value about them. Then share it with them. Share how it makes you feel and why, why it makes you love them and appreciate them even more. And like Minister Hayes said, make eye contact with them. Look at them in the eye when you say these things. Let them know that you mean it. Let them know that you love them. This, see, doing things like that, that'll help you share your feelings with them. That'll let them know, you know what, I can trust my feelings with this person. Because they have our marriage in, in God's hands. So remember these things. If you want to remain consistent in your intimacy... Remember these things. Remember the attitude of forgiveness. Remember you wanted to be reconciled. Remember this is God's institution, so you can't do things your way. Remember to be long-suffering. Remember to pray with your spouse on a, cons- on a consistent basis. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a, I did it two, three months and then we stopped. It's not a four-week thing. It's a consistent thing. It's a, it's a part of your life. So you can stay on one accord. Learn how to share your feelings with one another and praise and nurture each other. Amen. Amen. We've had some some good godly counsel, and we can always appreciate that. And, and as as my my brothers were were speaking, uh, things that came up in my spirit was these are things that you did before you got married. <laughs> And so the frustrate part of the frustration is that you got away from it. Speaking to the consistency that my brother here was talking about. If we were, I know we're on the other side now, but if we were to have maintained those same things, when you all went out to date nights before you were married, you made all the compliments, you made sure you wore your hair the way, I know he likes my hair like that. I'm going to do that. I know he likes me in this dress. I'm going to wear that. You did all of those things. You did all. Me and you got hair because you made sure. Nobody had to tell you to go bathe. You already, you did it. Because that, why? Because you were trying to get them. And so now I get it. We've gotten away from it. I understand. So now it's time to get back to those things. It's time to get back to those things where your, your, your relationship was ignited. Where it was sparked. Those are the things, and I know we, children come into play, life come, bills come into play. I get it. I remember I, I found the pastor would say, bills will make you get up, maybe our current pastor, bills will make you get up out of the bed. So I understand that. Been there, done that. I know. I know. But we cannot allow, again, going back to purpose. Going back to what God, what God has intended. God has all of the answers. He's already told us what to do. And we've gotten away from what God has told us to do in Song of Solomon. And that's why we are experiencing the things that we are experiencing. That's part of it. That's part of it. So take all of these things. Take this godly advice. Take this God. Listen, part part of what this was a, a loaded question, by the way. So we've kind of broken it up. But 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 take the counsel. It's not it's not about being. So the, the part of the question was how do you realistically? You realistically do by doing. <laughs> we're not we're not giving you anything that's different from what we've already taught. It is what it is. 
So all you have to do, and I know it's, it's, sometimes it's easier said than done, I get it. But if you would obey, if you would just put forth the effort and walk in it and obey and do, then watch the grace of God. Because he's saying, I know you're trying to do what I'm telling you. You're tempted. You love me so much that you are willing to set all of your selfishness aside, to set all of that aside, to set aside how your, your, your spouse is treating you, how your spouse is acting, how you, because you're trying to do my will and I'm going to give you the grace. Don't worry about the other person. I'm going to give you the grace. To obey and to do your part. So we need to take those things. Take these things. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. You put the question in. We're giving you the answers. Now guess what you got to do. You got to take it and you got to walk it. You got to walk it out. You got to walk it out. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.